This is Global Storyline with your host, Dean W. Arnold, where we examine events current and past and place them in the Global Storyline. Our guest tonight on Global Storyline is Timothy Kelly, founder of the interview podcast, Our Interesting Times. Tim has conducted approximately 100 interviews with some of the world's top alternative and revisionist thinkers. He's the father of six at an undisclosed location on the East Coast, and it's a real privilege to be able to interview him today, learn more about him, and and have him uh, help us shape some global storylines and also take an inventory of the alternative media. Tim, thanks for joining me. Well, thanks for having me on. Man, it's great to have you here. How many times have you been on uh, the other side of the microphone like this where you're getting uh, interviewed instead of asking the questions? Twice. Twice. All right. <laughs> I like Twice. that. That's what I was hoping to hear. <laughs> yeah. So, this will be uh, the third time. All right. We'll try to keep you as uncomfortable yeah. as we possibly can. Um, okay. So uh, I'm a big fan. Uh Thank you. Was I right about 100 interviews? Is that about about correct? Yeah, it's about about 100 interviews because a couple of those videos I posted are people interviewing me. So, yeah, I've conducted about 100 interviews. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too when I looked at the the site. Uh, I've listened to every interview. Um, It's my first go-to when I'm looking for podcasts. I always check and say, oh, has Tim got one up yet? Uh, Because you usually do it a couple of weeks maybe. And and I gave a little formal interview saying, you know, top alternative and revisionist thinkers that you interview, but why don't you, in your words, tell us what it is that you think you do and what you're doing out there and what 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 you're pro- providing to the world of cyberspace. Well, the, the focus or purpose of, of my uh, podcast is to kind of uh, synthesize or aggregate other people's research. I don't uh, project myself as a uh, researcher myself. I simply don't have the time for that. I have an honest job. Um, so, right, right, right. <laughs> so, no, not, so you're more of a generalist, and, and you're not necessarily an expert in any particular subject. Yeah, no, I'm no expert really in any particular subject. Um, uh, so, uh, but I've, 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 over the years, I've, I've, I've always kept up reading, and, and my, you know, uh, done research, and or not. Re- you know, but other tell people, us, but, tell us a little bit about like what area of of the world uh, you're dealing with. We, there's. A lot of people listening here who don't know who you are and they don't know anything about your podcast. So you're t- tell us the kind of people you deal with and what kind of message you're trying to get out there. Okay. Well, the name of the podcast is Our Interesting Times. Um, that's, uh, you know, of course, that's a Chinese curse uh, that's been passed down. I don't know if may that's – May you live pop- in interesting times. Yes. Yeah. yeah, may you live in interesting times. And, of course, the, the, you know, th- when things are usually interesting, you, it's usually because there's something – Bad happening. Uh, that's always makes for the most interesting history. Uh, we all kind of yearn for the quiet life, uh, you know. So we don't want things to be that, that interesting. Um, uh, be careful what you wish for; you may get it. Right. Right. So the idea is to focus on well, contemporary issues and also historical issues. Uh, so I, like kind of revisionist history, uh, questioning the official narratives we've been uh, spoon-fed throughout the years. Um, if, if you do, if you look into these issues, you realize. Just below the surface, you realize much of what we've been told simply isn't true, or it's half true, which is as much as a lie as, as a, you know as, as a whole lie. So, um, it, it's to uh, you know to uh, uh, I guess to uh, promote uh, these alternative views, which I think have sound basis in historical research and and um, and evidence. All uh, right, let's cut to the chase for the uh, people who need to hear it. Some people would call it conspiracy theory. Um, 
but really what we're talking about is is things like questioning the uh, official explanation for the JFK assassination, um, looking at other world events and, and looking at it from a different perspective. So a way to uh, one of the words to use for that is revisionist history. Um, yeah. What other kind of large areas uh, are you questioning? Oh, th- much of our understanding of big events, whether uh, the First World War, particularly the Second World War, that was the big one, and that, I think that occasioned the biggest lies. Um, uh, much of the Cold War, uh, what we've understood, these things all, of course, develop out of one another. And it, uh, based on my research and others and the reading I've done, it seems to be that this seems to be a, roughly a plan that's been unfolded uh, throughout the 20th century. Um, much of what we experienced in the 1960s isn't what we've been told it was. It wasn't this spontaneous, you know, or organic uh, development rising out of sort of this linear culture development, societal development. Uh, whether it's the uh, you know the counterculture, uh, the uh, the drug, uh, the, the rise of the drug culture, uh, the Cold War itself. This seems to be part of a strategy of tension or an attempt to sort of uh, manufacture or manipulate culture for the benefit of the powers that be. Okay, well let's let's make it specific. Let's pick one of those things you just mentioned. Okay. World War Two. What is the uh, other way of looking at World War II uh, different than what we see on the History Channel. <laughs> the Hitler Channel, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Hitler Channel. <laughs> um, well, like many Americans, World, like most Americans think World War II began December 7, 1941 with the sneak attack on Pearl Harbor right. by the dastardly Japanese who were just so evil. They wanted to take over the world, or at least half the United States, and split the difference with Germany. You know, and Italy, of course. You know, of course, any understanding of history, of the politics of the day, or even geography, knew that that, that narrative, is, narrative is absurd. Um, and the World War II itself, I'm not going to say chronologically developed out of World War One, you know, but it developed out of the geopolitical wranglings of the British Empire versus uh, Germany. This was roughly the uh, England's uh, strategy of weakening the continental powers in order to maintain its dominance, uh, her, her imperial dominance. And this strategy dates as far back. I think it was articulated as far back as 1900 with Mc, with Halford Mackinder. Right. Uh, so World War One, World War Two was more of an English plot to kind of, I, and I believe, kind of to drag or to trick Germany into war, uh, so she could uh, both weaken Germany and Russia, and uh, maintain her dominance. And this is spelled out in the this this, this strategy is spelled out in the Mackinder Doctrine. So it's not conspiracy theory. This was the plan. And it's some, you know, and just coincidentally, it, it, it unfolded in grim reality throughout the 20th century. Uh, and but, so, Hitler, and and so that would be as opposed to the to the uh, official view that World War II was a response to a guy named Hitler who came out of nowhere and wanted to take over the planet. Yeah, he he was he was a spawn of hell or something. Uh, mm-hmm. Hitler, he was Satan's uh, child or something. He just came out of nowhere and wanted to take over the world and. They, but obviously, the situation World War II was a was a very complicated event. I think it spanned uh, what 1930, uh, roughly six years. It was waged on five of the seven continents, and I think it killed an average of <laughs> like 18,000 people a day. It was a very complex event, and uh, it's it's a bit more complicated than uh, the propaganda we've been fed. Much of the understanding of that event is still seen through the lens of World War II propaganda. 
Okay, I'm going to stop you there because I think we've covered that. So that I just wanted to give people a taste of of uh, some of the specific stuff you do and the broad stuff you do, yeah. and, and that's all very good. And then let me just add: this isn't uh, this isn't to say that uh, this is an excuse or justification for uh, uh, Nazi Germany's uh, uh, wartime, uh, you know, war itself. I, uh, you know, you know, the, obviously it was guilty of of, of, of immense atrocities. Uh, as all combatants war, I'm just saying. I'm just trying to even the deck here. <laughs> no, I, no, I hear you, and and that's good. And, and but but it's also a lot of your interviews aren't uh, uh, faraway history. I mean, uh, you you do podcasts on uh, recent you know mass shootings and looking at behind the headlines on those uh, and other more more recent events. So you're basically looking at the story behind the story, uh, and you're you're looking at. Uh, what uh, what the mainstream or the official storyline is not telling us, uh, and you're talking to various experts and and getting them to uh, kind of enlighten us on on what may really be happening uh, in uh, both recent and past events. So so I just I wanted to kind of establish that. So uh, <clears throat> uh, let me ask you this question. I use the when I introduce you, I use the word alternative media and I use the word revisionist. Um, what else would you call uh, this movement of people that has seemed to gotten has has gotten more traction with uh, with the internet. Um, what other words are out there to describe it? Is it uh, is is there such a thing? Is there a movement? I know some people don't like to really call it such a movement, but go ahead. Well, I don't know if there's a definable movement or a, a tangible movement out there. Uh, might have been you might have seen one forming about maybe five six years ago, perhaps maybe. Uh, and, but I think it was it was sidetracked by well I think purposely by cognitive infiltration. Um, but any 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 movement that's that's challenging the status quo is going to be infiltrated and manipulated. That's just a reality. I think that's the history. If you go into CoIntel Co- Pro and even before that, um, that's what the powers that be will do. It will, they, they're not going to sit quietly by and say, oh well, let's let these, let let the opposition uh, mobilize and develop. They're going to manipulate it and. Yeah, so uh, I think it sounded like you were hearkening to 9-11 truth movement and how it got yeah. infiltrated. So truthers is another uh, word you'll hear out there. You hear, you'll hear conspiracy theory is a, is a movement you'll hear. You'll hear the word uh, 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 alternative media. Um, anything else that comes to mind? Oh, you know, Those are pretty tr- good ones. And, yeah. And, and, and I think you know what you're saying is that it's been going – this kind of thing has been going on for a long time and, and arguably since the beginning of mankind. I mean, I think you, an argument could be made pretty plausibly that, that, uh, the world generally is, is under a, a, a cloud of lies. And, uh, those who really want to push through might be able to, uh, you know, get through, uh, a, a great bit of the cobwebs, maybe not all of them, but it's probably the, uh, the rule, not the exception that, that, the world generally uh, ha- has a bunch of fog that's not really telling you what's going on. Yeah, well, it's the uh, you know, Plato's you know cave, uh, the uh, the shadows on the wall, right? You know, the allegory of the cave, and that, that applied you know uh, it applied way back then in in, in ancient Greece and applies today. Where I think the inevitably uh, were ruled by oligarchs. Um, uh, that seems to be <laughs> the system of government, which is always if it's not. Out, it's not, if it's not uh, overt, it's 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 just below the surface running things. Um, uh, whether you have a democracy, a republic, or a dictatorship, um, so yeah, they're going to uh, 
those with the means and the technology to shape or mold reality are going to do it. And I think that's what we've seen in many, many respects. I think technology makes a big difference. And so this, the use of technology, you know, to control society, and that's largely done through media, um, I think has it's really come on in the latter half of the 20th century, particularly with motion pictures. That that was a big thing. Uh, music, uh, electronic, you know, electronically uh, uh, broadcast music, mass production, mass media. Mass media is a big thing. That's one thing I, I've looked into a few of my interviews: just the development of mass media and how, again, this thing wasn't organic or wasn't the free market. From the get-go, it was controlled by you know, folks like the Rockefellers. Yeah, the three networks came out of the CIA, which was called the OSS at yeah. that point in time. Well, you know what? I'm gonna. Uh, I, I was gonna kind of start getting into talking about the alternative media and the different ones, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But you, uh, you're so uh, you so naturally flow into my uh, uh, other topic that I want to talk about, uh, which is global storylines, uh, which is the name of my website and my podcast. And I just want to kind of go into it because that's kind of where you go naturally, which I think is kind of interesting. But uh, let me just kind of ask you some open-ended questions. I'm going to take notes. Of course, I've got it recorded. So this is sort of to help me and for the audience to have fun and listen as we do it. But you've already kind of hearkened unto it. But if you were going to take the last hundred years uh, of history, American history, and let's just let's kind of focus on maybe geopolitics uh but how would you sum up the storyline if you will if you had to make it a news headline what what's been going on uh for the last hundred years hmm. i think what we've seen roughly in the last hundred years is uh the gradual but inex- inexorable uh, reincorporation of the united states into the anglo empire and now what we have today is the Anglo-American Empire. This was largely conducted uh, through a few men. You know, the, this is the, the Cecil Rhodes crowd, uh, uh, the Rhodes Trust, uh, Milner's Kindergarten. These these guys uh, that they – Cecil Rhodes, when he died, set up this trust in his will. Uh, he wanted – his goal was to create a, a, a mass – a global empire of the English-speaking peoples. And he wanted to reincorporate the United States into into this this uh, I guess into this empire, and it was facilitated because although America fought a war to of independence against the British Empire, uh, there was always uh, an elite or Eastern establishment which was Anglophile. Um, now, do, you, do you, don't you think they sort of accomplished that uh, uh, in in the what do you think? 50s and 60s or do you think that's still going on the uh reincorporation yes i think it, it, fine it was uh, i mean it, one thing is the british empire is which is being used it was a shell like a shell corporation being used by by this elite uh, um but um i think what another word was, for, another word for this is atlanticist is that right Atlanta, yeah that's a good term atlanticist powers because this also factors in, into into Israel, the formation of Israel, and you have the Jewish faction, you have the Anglo-American, and you have the Jewish faction too, the Zionist, and this whether or not yeah the Saker a, calls it the Anglo-Zionist Empire. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And it's hard to figure out who's a junior partner, who's a senior partner in this. Right. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure that now, out. Now, does this have anything to do with the people who talk about uh, uh, like laws and contracts and 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 uh, passports and uh, uh, birth certificates being written in all caps, and there's gold fringe on the American flag in the courtroom, and that kind of stuff. Is that is that some, tied into this? 
I think a fact that, into that, that somewhere around the Civil War, the America America went from being a nation to an incorporation or something. It became an incorporation. You had the production, you have the creation of uh, corporate personhood by was it the Santa Clara decision by by a justice. It was almost like a uh, well, it was like a, a side commentary by a judge in the Santa Clara uh, decision creating corporate personhood, um, and the idea. Of the birth certificate, which most people think is just a matter of public records and that sort of thing, but really it is. The birth certificate really is a security that's traded <laughs> because it's a claim. It, it more or less it's collateral for for, uh, for you know for the U.S. for the for the U.S. debt, which individuals do hold, whether it's you know central banks or. Are you required? Are you required to do a birth certificate? Yes, you are. Okay, I, I'm going to tell if, you. If if are you if you're you conduct yourself in any way, shape, and if is there is there an explicit law that I can't can say for sure. Well, but I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to sidetrack real quick and tell a brief story. Uh, you'll like it. But uh, the reason I asked that question is, um, uh, my son was born at home. Um, he's 19 now, mm-hmm. and uh, we, you know we got a birth certificate. Uh, I guess we had to, but I, I you know I, we just did. But I, I didn't really question that. But um, we didn't get him a social security number. Um, and uh, one thing led to another. When he was about 14, uh, for tax purposes and all that kind of stuff, we I went ahead and made a phone call. I didn't want to because I knew he was off the grid. But uh, we made a phone call to give him a Social Security number. And uh, so I called, and I got some Yankee lady. And she, she says, I'm sure he's got a Social Security number. And I said, no, ma'am, he doesn't. She says, well, where does he go to school? And I said, well, uh, he's homeschooled. <laughs> and she said, "Oh, oh, okay, okay. Well, well, well. The, the hospital had to give him one. Where, where, where was he born?" And I said, "He was born at home." She goes, "Oh, damn." Um, so uh, it kind of freaked her out. But uh, anyway, so uh, he was off the grid for a while. But uh, if I if if I knew that he didn't have to get a, a birth certificate back then, I probably would have done that too. But I guess he did. So you can't you can't slither out of that. You can still slither out of getting a social security number, but. But I guess that one you still have to do. Yeah, now that at birth they expect you to apply for that and get the card and all that. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. The, I, I'm the take, first... I, I took us off track, so I want to get yeah. back to that. So I, I brought that up just to just to see. So that does that concept have anything to do with what you're saying? That, that, you know, the last hundred years or so, the big movement has been the rise of the Atlantis powers or the Anglo-Zionist um, kind of empire. That's that's somewhat uh been the hegemony for running the world is, is are those two things tied together at all well i think to the extent that directly i don't can't say uh for sure but i do think it factors into the overall control system that's necessary to maintain the empire and to expand it um that's one one thing is it's again the birth certificate is collateral against the national debt um so and literally uh, the human being is being farmed for his energy and i you know like i, said, I do think in there's probably people who know how to do actuarials and know what the life expectancy is and how long the person should will probably live or be allowed to live to get the maximum amount of wealth out of them. And you know, that's I do think that systems like the, whether it's the prison industrial complex or the medical complex have been set up as a business model, if you don't want to call it a conspiracy. To um, this also factors into the corporate production of food and uh, you know with the uh, processed food and all this stuff uh, how. Down, the downstream profits of a of a uh, adulterated or tainted food system 
redounds to the benefit of the medical industrial complex, the same way that the drug laws redound to the benefit of the prison industrial complex, also contributes to society that is that that can be manipulated and governed uh, more more efficiently by the you know from the standpoint of the elite. And if you doubt that, just you know, people like Dr. Jolly and Lewis Lewis Jolly and West, who quoted uh, who was quoted in the seventies in his book, he was part of MK Ultra, uh, that the drug laws, the drug war itself, can be used not only to uh, to uh, you know, to inject drugs into society, to opiate the masses, but also to use them as a weapon to target certain minorities. And it can also be used to um, maintain a certain um, occupancy level in the prison industrial complex that is increasingly becoming a profitable industry. This, this is the same doctor that was hanging out with Timothy, Timothy McVeigh and uh, uh, Sirhan Sirhan and a few other assassins, yeah, and, and, right? And, and Jack Ruby. All right, Jack Ruby, right. <laughs> So, okay, well, let's do the same thing uh, with uh, 500 years. So we, we kind of uh, took t- talked about what's what's been the storyline for the last 100 years. If, you, if you're going to look at the last 500 years, how would you uh, how would you give that a news headline? <laughs> 500 years. Uh, <laughs> it takes what to what year? 16. Uh, yeah, back into the 15, 1500s. 15, 1600s. Well, that would that's what the latter that's the latter half of the Renaissance. Yeah. Enlightenment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, after 500 years, uh, Satan still rules the world. I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> the Enlightenment, humanism, all that stuff, of course, that's been given. The way I was taught in, in public school was the Enlightenment was a great thing, right? Because it was human freedom and human being was now praised. He, was, he wasn't the sinful creature that, that the Dark Ages or, or Christendom thought, taught that, it was, that, that humanity was. Humanity would be celebrated for itself, and you had this explosion of arts and literature and these things, and this was the, the birth of freedom, in, you know, in Western civilization. Um, that's a very, I think, a very selective, very superficial interpretation of the Enlightenment, because um, I think what happened with the Enlightenment was you also had development of, of a humanist philosophy, which is ultimately contradictory, self-contradictory, and uh, really ends in what nothing, because there's nothing above man, there's nothing above man. And there's nothing. There's no. There's no. I guess uh, logos or, or the universe doesn't have a certain. T- t- uh, t- uh, there's no. There's not teleological uh, purpose to the universe. No absolutes. No natural law. No. Uh, the uh, one of the phrases you use a lot that I think, uh, if you got to sum up 500 years in a phrase, uh, is the overthrow of throne and altar. Yeah, that's the dialectic. I think that many of the modern philosophers, like good example, I have a. Well, an example, I'm very sympathetic towards, you know, libertarianism and some of its analysis of power elite analysis of politics and particularly economics and these things. But it only goes so far. There's a certain nominalism to it or reductionism to that philosophy, I think, that it can't be a complete philosophy. And also a lot of them don't understand that there's a, um, a dialectic that's being played out and played out here. And it might have something to do with the development of Freemasonry uh, uh, which is a big thing. Which no one, when we when you when you learn when you study political science and history, you never taught about the role of secret societies, which you're missing a big thing. It's a big part of it. Uh, but um, you know, Crystal Illuminati you know, sought the destruction of throne and altar, and we've seen that um, the destruction. Now, a lot of it is because we've been taught as Americans that kings are bad and democracy is good. You're right. Kings are tyrants. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. To, it's good to overthrow kings. It's good to chop their heads off. Yes, um, and of course, anything that has to do with tradition and ba- you know bogging down people's freedoms that needs to get uh, destroyed. So we 
we uh, ransack the monasteries and steal all their uh, uh, all their possessions, and uh, we uh, you know you know we leave a cathedral or two, I guess you know for sightseers, but generally it's okay to pillage them as well. Um, overthrow of throne and altar is uh, and really an anti-traditionalism kind of motif is what I think we've seen for the last 500 years. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and you, you can see how you can get there. Uh, that's a, it's a, it's, it's just taking premises to their logical conclusion. Uh, if you're a Protestant, um, and, uh, and that's what's happened. Yeah. And, uh, it, it leads to, to, a an atomized society. The individual no longer has a, any institutions, be they family or extended family, community or church to repair to when the brutal state comes along. And they're being set up for a fall. And uh, what do they have? All they have in common is consumerism, what they watch on TV or what they, or the iPhone they buy. And a lot of it is, again, a, a lot of this assault is uh, justified in the name of liberty. And, uh, of course, that's always been the appeal. Liberty, right? <laughs> to, but, um, so you can, yeah, I'm, I'm, gr- I'm growing less and less fond of that word, personally. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure that it meshes well with my uh, historic Christian beliefs. Yeah, and also much of what we, what much of of many libertarians, and uh, although I, I do identify with much of their much of their critique, is what they call the free market is not the free market. Um, it's not you know whether it's Google or McDonald's or you know or Apple or Microsoft. If you if you peel look below the surface, you'll see a lot of these telecom companies, all these big corporations have either have benefited from or deeply connected to the state or to the, uh, you know, to the national security state or, the, or to the surveillance state. And you know, I've done a few interviews with, uh, a f- uh, with some guests who've looked into the development of the Internet and, and you know, Silicon Valley, and it's directly tied uh, to, the, to the military-industrial complex. Let me let me stop you there. Okay, so that's all been good commentary. I expected to get that from you. Um, now, if we went back a little further, uh, do you think uh, the storyline would would change a bit? If we went back a thousand years, are you going to give me? Uh, you, you may have the same sort of trend for me, which is breaking away from throne and altar to where we have today, which is uh, a mm-hmm. uh, um, really a, a reign of terror in, uh, we, the, we, in the name yeah, we, of democracy. But does, we, does we, we live. We live in a Masonic republic. I mean, the, the modern world is is Masonic. We we speak in Masonic terms. Uh, we we've been uh, the best form of, of imperialism is make sure that that who you conquer internalize the commands of their oppressors, and that's what people do today. Whether it's uh, it's it's almost like a, a fish not knowing that he's swimming in water. It's just there. Do you know? Do you have a theory as to uh, why um, from? You know, either from the birth of Christianity or from a thousand A.D. or whatever, that that the these principles of enlightenment and uh, and Renaissance, which led to humanism and secular humanism, which has led to the travesty that we have today. Do you have any uh, ideas on to as to why that crept in? I have well, some, but I'm Eastern yeah, Orthodox. Uh, Go ahead. The, no, I was, what I've read, and I did, a lot of my research has forced me into looking into more of these esoteric questions. Uh, because like anything, I was, I was interested in politics and the, sort of the overt world of politics, party politics, partisan politics, history as I was taught, and not looking uh, below the surface at, at, say, you know, the real power, the, you know, the gray eminence that, that, mani- that manipulated these things. Right. Um, 
uh, at some I think what happened at some point uh, masonry Freemasonry itself was more you know was originally was a guild and an idea was to keep trade secrets and to, to do this they they developed methods of communicating and associating and I think at some point it, those methods just, I guess that's called what it's the difference I forget that it was either actual masonry versus speculative masonry Operative masonry, I think, is the term versus okay. speculative masonry. Yeah, I, I don't know that, yeah. yeah, operative masonry versus speculative masonry. Speculative masonry, I think, is when these, um, I guess, uh, satanic forces or Luciferian forces. I think these things. And of course, the Illuminati itself was uh, the you know he he based his uh, you know uh, Adam Weishaupt. Well, he was Jesuit taught, right? From what I understand, right? And he applied Jesuit methods to the Illuminati. Because the Jesuits were part of the counter revolution, the counter reformation, and so they were involved in whether uh, in in education, <laughs> but also in espionage, you know, int political intrigues and these things. Because what at, at stake here wasn't just religion. All the, back then, it, one's religion also guided one's politics, one's loyalties, and all these things. Right. So there was a lot at stake here, and. So politics has always been – I mean religion has always been politicized. You, you, can, you could probably say Christianity was politicized when Constantine said he converted to Jesus, right? It was the first you – know, he was the first politician to find, to find religion. Right. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's never been – it's always been sort of a it's, – it's always been a sordid affair to separate religion itself from the, polit the politi politicization of religion. Um, oh, he wasn't so bad. <laughs> he really wasn't. So um, – but – uh, I was going to a brief diversion. Uh, I, I came across an article. I think it was yesterday, um, where the guy was uh, trying to make uh, this point that um, the Statue of Liberty is really not about immigrants. That uh, the poem about "Give me your tired, your poor," all that kind of stuff was written like in the early 1900s. Uh -huh. But but when the French gave us the Statue of Liberty in what is it, the mid 1800s or something? Yeah. That um, all that was on there was. Um, uh, is the Statue of Liberty holding a scroll or something that says 1776? Uh -huh. uh, so, and then he made the assumption that that what that is referring to is the great first revolution against uh, you know the king, democratic revolution of of the founding fathers. But uh, it could mean something else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like the formation of Illuminati. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, May 1776. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be interested yeah. to do some research to see if there's a way to track that yeah. down. Now, um, the official story is there were uh, well, one of the messenger was struck by lightning and knocked off a horse, which <laughs> I think is a great story. <laughs> and they and it was exposed. Um, but then it went underground and it used these Masonic lodges uh, uh, to organize and slowly, you know, undermine, um, you know, throw on an altar. Of course. One of the forces behind this was Freemasonry became a convenient tool for, for, for the Whigs in Great Britain to export instability, to destabilize the world. Um, at this point, it was, it was Europe, but the Freemasonry became sort of the organizing principle of the, of the British Empire. You know, and there's a book by that. It's called Builders of Empires, and it all explains about— Well, back, back to our, our, our larger theme. I don't know if I, I got you talking about— um, you know, esoteric and spiritual, and but do, do you have any more on why uh, society began to tend towards enlightenment and uh, masonry and and all these uh, really non-Christian uh, things that have led us towards secularism? Do you, do you know what the seeds of that were? 
I think uh, because I think uh, 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 evil people are better organizers. Okay. see <laughs> the the, the, uh, the sinister, uh, they they think in those terms. I think. Um, I think it all goes back to I guess you could say uh, what, what's the out of uh, Paradise Lost. Uh, better to uh, uh, rule in hell than serve in heaven. Okay, and that is, I think, the the, I think that is the guiding philosophy of uh, sort of this uh, multi generational elite that have uh, manipulated things throughout the ages. I don't know but, if it's, but they just, weren't manipulating it like this in the eight hundreds, nine hundreds, thousands, no, no, twelve hundreds. I think at this point, society has to develop, I uh, think, technologically for them to be able to do that. Like I mentioned, what the big jump ahead a thousand years and go to the late eighteen, late nineteenth century, and it really was a development of the, of the telegraph and steamship, which enabled Great Britain to finally, uh, or at least the elite in Great Britain, uh, the, the the road circle to start to uh, enact their plan for reincorporation. Because uh, uh, it was they who controlled the telegraph across the cable across the continent. They had the British Navy, and of course, the steamship was was at that time was you know of course a railroad too, uh, rapid travel. Uh, and so, so you would you would trace uh, the development of certain types of technology to some of the more sinister uh, cultural developments worldwide. Yeah, because technology, uh, I think whether uh, I think in, during Elizabethan era they might call it black magic, <laughs> right? And this and this gets into the understanding of of what science is. And some of the people I've, I've interviewed, like Jay Dyer, have written a lot about this. About people like John Dee, the magicians. Right. They've always been involved in intelligence work and working mm. with the state and the development of things like the Royal Society and their uh, their promotion of Newtonian physics. And Royal Society Science and the suggestion there that maybe following the principles of Freemasonry, if we understand the Royal Society was a Rosicrucian Freemasonic uh, organization, the idea of occulted, of occulted knowledge, of the occult, and if you can have secreted knowledge, whether it's financial or technological, you can always come across looking as a smart guy in the room, the genius, or, or the magician, right? I think it was Clark, Arthur Clark, who said that uh, the, the, there's no distinction between advanced technology and magic, and um, so that that gets to the more esoteric. But that what I'm trying to do is explain this is how the esoteric uh, influences, you know, the the uh, exoteric, the, the, what we see, the, the, right. the concrete. You know? Let me let me throw my little theory out there. Uh, okay, I don't know that much, but um, the uh, uh, I'd 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 point to uh, the East and West split. And I would, and, and that was caused by the, um, uh, in in large part, not only, but in large part by the uh, uh, addition of what's known as the filioque into the creed, which is and the son in Latin. Do you know about all this? A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Um, I know about the Great Schism. Was it 1095? Yeah. Well, 1054, I think. 1054. Okay. The, it, it was a long process, but that's that's yeah. one place you can objectively date it. That's when I think uh, some Roman Catholic cardinals came down to. Uh, Constantinople and threw down some papal bulls saying we excommunicate you. Um, but oh, sorry, for, 1095 was the first crusade. So yes, that's correct. It, it wasn't much longer after it. And the, uh, but it, it, you know, it was a couple hundred year long process at least. But the, what happened was the, the uh, Roman Catholics were, were fighting Arians, uh, desperately trying to fight the Arians who were trying to say that Jesus Christ was not fully, God himself. Um, 
And so in order to fight them as best they could, they were trying to grab as much ammunition as they could. And so they wanted to change the creed from saying not just that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father, but to add that he proceeds from the Father and the Son, because they wanted to uh, go fight the Arians with as much... uh, firepower as they could and if they could say well the holy spirit proceeds from jesus christ so he must be god um and so that's what they began doing they began adding that to the creed well the rest of the church and the the eastern church said you can't do that we you know we we came together as a church council in the you know 325 whatever it was council of nicaea and um, i might have been ephesus 10 years later council of ephesus and we made it very clear that that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father. He doesn't proceed from the Son. That's one of the uh, Holy Spirit's unique qualities is that he only proceeds from the Father. And, and there's a whole balance of the Trinity and that sort of thing. And so, But the Roman Catholics were uh, so intent on fighting the Arians, the, you know, the, the road to hell is paved by good intentions. And so uh, they insisted. And that was one of the main things along with the infallibility of the Pope and that other, other things like that 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 uh, led to the East and West split. Well, when you somewhat uh, uh, declaw the Holy Spirit, if you will, in your formal paper, uh, where there's a, a void, you know, something else has to rush in and fill the void. Um, and so that's where you're going to get your esoteric, occultic, strange things that begin to f- uh, f- uh, flow into Western civilization because the mystery of the Holy Spirit had been removed. So... Uh, that's something you can hmm. put in your pipe and smoke for a while and see what you it's, see what yeah. you think. Think about that one. Um, okay, I'm going to move us on to uh, my next topic for the evening, which is uh, let's just talk about uh, uh, sources. Let's talk about alternative media, good, bad, and the ugly. Uh, but uh, you know, a lot of what it gets down to in life, as you know, is you have to learn to know which voices to trust. Uh, because there's a lot of very compelling voices out there. Um, so let me start with you personally. Uh, where do you get your information? Hmm. Uh, and, oh. and, and, and let's, to make it a little bit easier for this, even though you do so much broad stuff, let's just talk about more like current events, like what's going on now and in the last year and that sort of stuff. Where do you go to get your information? Because you know there's just a ton of lies out there. Mm-hmm. The um, well, first thing is I read a lot of books, and there's no substitute for just sitting back and reading a book, uh, putting the time in, and just you know, because I think you get in a mental state where you can sit back, read and read an argument or or a narrative, and the more you read, the more you can, you can compare narratives and come to some you know reliable conclusion that what you're reading is, you know is has some semblance of truth or is a fair interpretation of events because you can you can have the same event occur and have different interpretation and both both people can be telling the truth it's like that what was that movie uh, Rashomon the Japanese movie where different um different perceptions of the same event and they're completely different <laughs> yeah i don't know that one that's interesting yeah. um but so i mean so you know, a good example is you, you, you can be reading about uh, World War II, and of course, uh, the British portrayal of World War II is very different than, say, uh, a German uh, a citizen living in Dresden. 
Okay, well, let me, yeah. I'm going to back you up because we sort of talked already about the, yeah. the broad view and, and whatever. So let's, for instance, the Orlando shooting here. Okay. okay. Uh, are you not, uh, and this is okay if this is the answer for you, and I wouldn't be surprised, but are, are you personally not going to really spend much time thinking about that event until maybe six months after it and you've been able to read some more thoughtful, reflective pieces? Or are there some places you actually go on the Internet or pl- other places where you try to find out w- what the heck's happening here? Well, when something like that gets reported, um, yeah, like I'll, I'll listen to the initial reports uh, and uh, then uh, wait to see if there's any inconsistencies or anomalies which make me skeptical about the event itself. Um, that's largely based on, you know, I guess the past 10, 15 years, knowing that some of these uh, uh, shootings or events aren't exactly what they're being portrayed as uh, in the mainstream media um uh but yeah i think you can afford to sit back and wait it, there's no there's no shame in being um uh, uh and not knowing or not being uh, you know uh agnostic yeah you can be agnostic about <laughs> a certain event saying i was i'm not a witness to it i didn't see it so i'm relying on this screen and this reporter telling me this and you know, who knows if she's even there because they have green screen technology and they use it, you know. And, you, so you, don't know. Have, you don't have a couple of websites or a couple of guys you go to? Like, I wonder if, you know, over here there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I do. Yeah. Uh, there's sites that have uh, earned my trust. Um, uh, you know, I think I like from certain international things. I like global research out of Canada. Right. Uh, but then I also like uh, groups like, uh, I mean, uh, websites like, um, well, obviously, uh, Jay Dyer's site. I, I like to read. You know, his, his, his he provides analysis, so it's not right. like news. He usually, he usually comes out after in, within a few days of yeah. in providing and, some analysis. And I value his I value his analysis of it. Uh, he's earned uh, my trust, you could say. Twenty um, first uh, century wire, Patrick Henderson's uh, right is, is another thing with analysis. Um, I, I like LouRockwell.com, Just reading articles there, taking things in. Yeah, that's not so much hard reporting, but there, but that's good stuff. I think. Yeah. Uh, uh, I was going to add some people to that list. Um, uh, go ahead, because I forgot. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, it's, I like James Corbett. Now, that's who I was just going to mention, and he's not so much. He he's he's kind of like a, a week or two after the fact, you know. Yeah, he's, and he's, that's kind of you know. Like I said, there's no rush. <laughs> you right. Why rush? You know, as what, what was that book? Rush to judgment regarding the Kennedy assassination. No reason you have to rush to judge on these things. Right. Um, you know, and nor do I come out and say this is this incident is fake. You know, this this event is fake. Uh, you know, because you get the accusation that you think everything is fake. Well, no, I think some things are real and some things are fake. <laughs> Judge each case on its merit, and let's, let's look at the evidence. Um, you know, uh, but the realization that some of this was going on with that was uh, more like a, you know, you know, incidents like Sandy Hook and the Boston bomb, when things are so strange about that. But back to the sources. Um, I, uh, another one, I guess, another good source I go to uh, is uh, oh, let's see, it's another one here. Um, what's a good aggregate source? You know, a couple sources that I go to, they're not necessarily 100 percent right. They're propaganda too, but they balance it out. I go to uh, uh, RT and Sputnik, and then I go to this is an interesting one. I go to what's it called? Press um, TV. 
press TV, the Iran, Iran. the Iran, Iran, yeah. Iran's uh, uh, official spoke piece. But it's not uh, it's not so much, you know, they, they're they're doing propaganda, too. But you're going to get the anti-propaganda of the U.S. propaganda. And it's kind of like watching, you know, CNN and Fox. And, you know, maybe the truth is in the middle, but that's probably not the case. Yeah. Those two, <laughs> but but it's, it's the same kind of concept. But, yeah, so I, I, I get some in, interesting news from uh, from press TV. Yeah, and you have to rely on – it's a sad state of affairs when you have to rely on Iranian television, Russian television to hope to get some – you know, uh, at least some clear picture of what, what's really going on. Cause you certainly can't rely on the American media, which is completely controlled. I mean it's – we don't have a free press in this country. Do you, uh, do you listen to uh, – do you read uh, The Saker? No, I never. What's that? I'm sorry. I highly recommend it. The Saker, T H E S A K E R. I think it's the Saker dot I I S. So you mm-hmm. got to deal with all that kind of weirdness. But he's a uh, uh, Russian, French American. I think. I think he. I think his. Oh. I think his parents are from Russia. I think he was raised in France, and I think, uh, and he now lives in Florida. So I think English is his third language. Brilliant guy who's got a, a very e- extensive military background, military intelligence, mm. and uh, uh, and he's very much leans towards Russia in his you know um, biases. Uh, he's Orthodox Christian. Uh, uh, and so he'll talk religion once in a while, but he's mostly talking um, technical, military, and intelligence kind of uh, operations. And he's got a real good sense of what's going on geopolitically. Mm-hmm. And he definitely gives you um, much, much better uh, reporting of what's happening in Ukraine and Syria and, and the and the global stuff. So oh, okay. yeah, h- highly recommended. The Saker? The Saker, yeah. Saker, okay. Yeah, you'll hear yeah, Paul that... Craig Roberts quotes him a lot and uh, – Jay Jay quotes him sometimes, um, and uh, he's yeah he's he's pretty highly thought of. And another site uh, I like you know uh, Tragedy and Hope uh, site, they're good. Who Richard Grove. I don't Richard Grove. I don't know that. He's he's a well he was a nine eleven whistleblower. Uh, he is entire very interesting. That's a, <laughs> about five six years ago I started watching some of their productions on YouTube because I got a TV that hooked YouTube up to it. Okay. And I ran ran across some of these uh, productions they were putting out. It just kind of drew me into this stuff. And you, uh, it's Trash and Hope community. You can join the community, you pay, support them, and uh, they produce audiovisual stuff. Um, another great one, I think I like uh, Brett Vanat's School Sucks Project. The what? Stuff. The School Sucks Project. School Sucks Projects. Yeah. Right. I never heard of that. It's just about, and if you want to go at like standard education, education. Oh, okay. And he he does a lot of critique and also a lot of general critiques on issues like that. Um, uh, he's he's I guess you could say he's a libertarian, uh, and I don't necessarily agree with everything he has to say, of course. Uh, but again, great analysis. What do, do you um, read? A zero hedge. Yeah, I, yeah, it's another side I do come across. Yeah, usually very short articles. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. That, that's kind of my go-to site. That's I, th- yeah. I think it's my homepage. Um, uh, just got, and it's not so much the articles, it's the comments. Do you read the comments? Yeah, I go through, yeah. The yeah. comments are hysterical, yeah. uh, and very informative, a lot of good links in there. Yeah. Um, and a lot of good, also I refer to the work of Jan Irvin, who, uh, unfortunately has been kind of a rift between a lot of his researchers. Um, and, um, so, but his, his work, especially regarding some of like the, uh, 
the development, the manufacturing, the deadhead, the, the manipulation or the creation of the counterculture, his research with regarding Time Life magazine, their promotion of psychedelic drugs and how they kind of the Time Life Empire, of course, links to the CIA and their promotion of the whole counterculture of the 60s. And some of the work there is, uh, is good. Joe Atwell, some of it, the work he's done. I know he's written a controversial book regarding J- Jesus Christ and you know, Caesar's Messiah. But nevertheless, it's some of his research. research. And also, he's willing to come on my show a lot and talk to me. So whenever <laughs> someone's willing to talk to me yeah, there you go. talk about their work, I, I, you know, I, I, I develop a fondness for them. A couple other good ones, and we'll get to the, some of the um, sketchy ones. Uh, uh, Paul Craig Roberts uh, quotes Clearinghouse a lot. Are you familiar with that one? No, no, not Clearinghouse. No, no, no. uh, I might not have the name exactly right, um, but um, an Information Clearinghouse, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. Um uh, of course, William Ingdahl, you've entered, uh, interviewed oh, yeah, him yeah. once or twice. Course, yeah. uh, his uh, his site, his articles are very, very good. And he's a little more reflective. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Voltaire Net. I've come uh, from time to time. Yeah. Pepe Escobar is a is a kind of a celebrity now. You know him? Yeah, he's running like he's a pipeline uh, stand and all that. He, yeah, per- if you want to get into personality, the, not celebrity, but yeah, yeah. he's he's on RT a lot. Yeah, the global that. politics of. Um, the geopolitics of energy and, and Russia and all that. He's very good about that. All right, let's talk about some controversial ones. Um, uh, what do you think about uh, Brother Nathaniel? Are you familiar with him? Yeah, he's the guy who um, uh, he uh, – <laughs> yeah, someone – I really watch his videos. And um, uh, he's, uh, again, one of these things where he, he guess he favors the East, <laughs> you could say. And um, – uh, for those who don't, for those people who don't know, his, his his site is called Real Jew News. Yes, <laughs> he's a Jewish guy. He's very outspoken against the Jews. He's a self hating uh, Jew. I guess he wears say. a Orthodox <laughs> monk's outfit, and I think uh, I was looking at his outfit the other day, and I think it may be actually an Archbishop's hat. So yeah, <laughs> uh, and I think he's I've I've seen some uh, official Orthodox Church sort of uh, statements, kind of to say be wary of him. Um, and he's uh, he's pretty he's pretty hard hitting in his uh, uh, polemicist uh, rhetoric against a lot of Judaism um, mm-hmm. and and Zionism. Uh, however, he's got some really good content, and he really articulates a lot of things that need to be articulated, and he does it very 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 well. Yeah. So you kind of have to work work with him. Um, and you don't know. I mean, there's again when you get when you're talking about cognitive infiltration, and is is this a an op? Is this a see a plant to? Uh, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. You know, you never know because I don't know him from Adam, right? I mean, it's like that's what yeah. the problem is. Community, yeah. is. you don't know people. Yeah. Well, that's a good point. I, I don't think he is, but who knows? But uh, but let's go on to the next one. Uh, Alex Jones. <laughs> well, Alex Jones is kind of like everyone's first. You know, uh, first time they stepped into this entryway into uh, alternative universe. Yeah, most people waded waded into this first with Alec Jones, um, and I'm no different there. A lot of to this day, whenever I'm talking about this, uh, people say, "Well, you're you're like Alex Jones." Like, well, no, that's somebody who doesn't know anything about. Did you get into this through Alex Jones? Uh, Partly. uh, I mean, my my Jay, Jay Dyer did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you can't because he was such an internet presence. He did an operation down there uh, uh, in Texas. But um, yeah, because I, I would say the first time I saw the Building Seven video was Alex, was Alex Jones. Yeah, 
I guess yeah, that. And um, you know, like anything, the production quality was good, and it was enter- sometimes going to be entertaining, be funny. So you watch it. But for those uh, of you who are listening, this is PrisonPlanet.com or Infowars.com. Yeah. It's very Inf- probably the, the most prominent uh, conspiracy theory or alternative media uh, presence, you know, in the country. Yeah, and people like um, you know, yeah, Jay Dyer, I think was actually on the show once or twice. Uh, and, uh, you know, and people, I mean, even like Ron Paul goes on a show, uh, and, Donald uh, Trump. <laughs> Donald, Donald Trump, you know, uh, but Alex Jones seemed to curb his mess because Alex Jones used to be like a 9-11 truther and the stuff, he doesn't talk about that stuff much anymore. Does he not? No, not, no, not from what I, I've stopped really stopped watching, but from what I, that's the criticism of this one, he's just, and, uh, a lot of it, I think a lot of the stuff he promotes, I think is there to sell, you know, uh, you know, uh, erectile dysfunction pills or, not pills. I'm sorry. Juice that's supposedly make a man out of you. From what I, you know, you know uh, rejuvenating stuff and and uh, you know post-apocalyptic uh, uh, tire or wares like you know like um, you know like uh, what's like the straw that can convert dirty water to clean water and stuff like that. So he's selling a lot of stuff. He's got. I guess the man's got to earn a living. It's nothing inherently wrong with that. But um, it's one of these things where. I think the operation down there is it, the fact that it's so large. It makes me suspicious about it. Right. Just the sheer size of it, um, and um, he he also tends to uh, not cover certain elements to these stories, which might uh, upset the powers that be. Um, Brother Nathaniel did a good, really good expose uh-huh. on Alex Jones and uh, noted that his. Uh, his attorneys are the uh, what's that the Zionist family Bromson Brom, Bromford Bromfman the Canadian yeah family? yeah that family is 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 well, kind that's of, interesting yeah yeah that's kind of his corporate um, shell is 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 that group uh, he got some criticism for having a Jewish wife which which doesn't really necessarily say anything but the real red flag was that he never would uh, he would never call out Israel for any of its uh, issues or crimes he would always avoid talking about israel uh there's some pretty obvious uh israel associations israeli associations with 9-11 which he would never talk about he always talked about 9-11 being an inside job but he would never mention any of the obvious um israeli associations and uh, he made one statement one time that was just laughable which is he said that uh, hollywood is owned, was owned by the arabs um <laughs> So all those kind of things have made a lot of people feel like he. Uh, Everyone knows uh, it's the Quakers. Yeah, he wasn't. He's not quite on the up and up, but it doesn't necessarily right. mean he's completely bad. He just might. He just might get a lot of Zionist funding, and so he's kind of tells part of the truth and not all the truth. That was like the report when that Arab owned like twelve percent of Fox News or something, and this was also this was getting all excited excited about that. Yeah, and it's like really. <laughs> Or it's like twenty eight pages. It's about Saudi Arabia. Yep, sure, okay. <laughs> do you uh, do you follow Mark Dice? Uh, not really. I mean, doesn't he do the videos? Yeah, he's and on the street videos. Yeah, he's not. He's not really substance, but he's funny. Yeah. Um, Joseph Farrell. Very. I mean, yeah. Uh, do I follow him? Uh, I wouldn't say I follow him. I do listen to several of his talks, um, and I've purchased a few of his books. I've yet to read them. So his research is is interesting. Um, especially regarding the uh, the the black budget and some of the the loot that was carried off after World War II and the development of say, maybe 
secreted uh, Nazi technology that was incorporated into the uh, uh, into the national security state. Uh, okay. Uh, so his research is interesting. I don't can't say much about his like his um, wasn't the Death Star f- uh, f- uh, thesis and all that. The, yeah, I don't know what that is. Yeah, it's a but it, you know it, it's getting an area that I'm. He gets in all that tech, uh, space technology stuff. Yeah, and, well, you know, interesting stuff, which is pretty fa- fascinating. Uh, what's the name of his site? Uh, I think it's like drfarrell.com or something. I, I oh, have it okay. saved. No, it's something like the the other side or is it a, is on, it, on the weird side or on the high-octane speculation or something. I, I thought it was like, uh, what's that Death Star they talks about? The pyramid? Oh, yeah, that's actually what it is. It's the uh, some, the, the Visa yeah. get Death Star. The uh, I can probably find it. But, yeah, it's something like that. Yeah. And he talks about the ancient war and all that stuff. And but I'm what got me into stuff is about his his work like on the Nazi International and Martin Bormann and the intrigues of late 1944 and 45 how it factored into the post-war era the uh, how the Third Reich became international and it was incorporated into the Western uh, security Western alliances with the CIA this is this of course this talks brings up Operation Paperclip and the de- and the Rat Line and these things. What about, uh, what about veterans today? Have you done much with them? You follow well, Kevin that's, Barrett. That's, that's Gordon Duff, right? Well, it's changed. Uh, oh, okay. Th- there's different people. I listen to Kevin Barrett. He he, he he's a well. One thing is he, he's a very he's a very good speaker. So his his radio show is very easy to listen to. Right. Uh, he again is one of the things. He he's he's a convert to Islam, I believe. Yeah, right? he's a he's a he's a card carrying uh, Muslim. Yeah. And a lot of what he has to say, I think, is interesting regarding 9-11. Um, I know there are people who are very down on veterans today who call it a call it a controlled opposition. I know that for a while Jim Fetzer was associated with them, then was purged. Uh, last time I checked, right, he was purged. His articles were pulled or something. Uh, that wouldn't I wouldn't doubt that. But I, yeah, I'm, I've I've read things that are skeptical of Fetzer as well. So yeah, you know. Um, I interviewed Fetzer uh, oh, last year regarding the Boston bombing. Okay, stuff. Um, so he's a very accessible guy. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, I I, uh, I think you and I've talked about him before, and, and yeah. uh, other than just you know a couple people speculating, I don't know. There's any hardcore reason to distrust what he says. He sure throws out a whole. That's one of the things that's difficult with you know calling people some of these people shills like Alex Jones and stuff. They they throw out such good hard hitting information that exposes yeah. so much truth, and brings hordes of people into a desire to you know get to the truth that it's hard to you know just you know wave a wand and say that 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 person's a shill. It's just hard to do. Yeah, it's um you know. It, it, it's you, you. It's you shouldn't slander someone because <laughs> you disagree with them, or even if you if you have it, you don't have any evidence. Right. Like you probably should be more reserved in your critic. At least, you know, shouldn't try to paint someone as a shill because uh, often these people's their their living is doing this, and you're denying them their, their living if you're or or you can hurt their ability to earn a living if you if you uh, slander them. Without any evidence, you know. So right. just because you disagree with them, or you think they're pushing a, a theory that you think is uh, too far out of left field. Well, let's uh, let's switch to the positive. We've kind of dealt with some of the um, uh, strange characters. Uh, uh, some of the favorite people that you've interviewed. I- I'll tell you a couple of my favorites on your show. Of course, I, 
I'm a follower of Jay Dyer. I, I subscribe to his stuff and everything. I think I was probably introduced to him from your interview show. But but uh, beyond Jay, who actually I'll be interviewing for this show next week, um, he uh, I'm a I've become a through you I've become a big fan of James Perloff and and yeah I, yeah that's who I was going to mention next. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, that yeah. guy's that guy's what a great communicator both both in uh, uh, speaking and in uh, writing. Um, he really lays it out there. He has a recent piece on Christian Zionism. Oh, which, I read it. I was, I was. Okay, I haven't read it yet. I was going to read it. It's the probably, best. It's the best piece I've ever seen written on it. Cool. Yeah, because I was going to read that and see if he wants to come on and talk about it after I read it. I, I cop already downloaded and copied it and pasted. it. I'm going to probably. Oh specify. yeah, but but he's also just recently written a couple of things on the American Revolution that you've interviewed him on, and those oh, yeah. are, those are fascinating pieces, and it's yeah. such good research, and all his arguments are so compelling. Uh, and then before that, you know, he's done your standard conspiracy theory, uh, uh, Cold War dialectic, uh, you mm-hmm. know, CFR is behind a lot of things that, you know, we're dealing with. I mean, he's just, he's just, he's just you know, he's a gift that for us to have. Um, another one pr- pr- that you interview a lot that I'm a big fan of is Michael Jones. Oh, you Dr. E. Michael Jones. Yeah, yeah he is. Uh, <laughs> he's man, great. That guy just, that guy has just done his research, man. And he's a serious scholar. Yeah, um, he really is. And one thing interesting about it is some of his research, well, he comes from a, from a traditional Catholic angle, uh, blends well with, with uh, much of Jay Dyer's research and also James Perloff's research uh, with his writings on like Americanism and um, the CIA and its infiltration and, and I guess manipulation of the Catholic Church and all that. Um, so there's a lot of overlap, which I find particularly interesting when you find people coming from different angles coming to similar conclusions then you, that from that usually at that point you can you can you can uh, assume or think that not assume but uh, come to the conclusion that, that there's something there you're onto something you know a couple of uh, interviews that you did that I passed over and I kept saying I don't want to do that that looks boring and they ended up being great um, one of them was the uh, the OJ the OJ interview I think you did with Pierce, Pierce Redman I and I ended yes. up uh, I'd end up Googling a bunch of stuff, the authors he was quoting, and I, start, I ended up listening to a couple more longer podcasts by him. I couldn't this believe it. I was like, this is the stupidest thing. I'm not going to sit there and listen to a podcast about O.J. being innocent. That is ridiculous. And then I, <laughs> then I listened to it, and I just couldn't believe it. Uh, there are so many unanswered questions. Um, yes, he did a thing with Stephen Singular, I think was the author's name of the book, about, uh, about O.J. Simpson and um, the trial and the intrigues with you know Mark Furman and what was going on there. There's a lot there that people don't understand. Uh, and um, yeah, it's one of those things where I didn't really, I wasn't too concerned with OJ's guilt or innocence. That, 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 you know, you know, yeah, he was acquitted, okay, uh, but everyone thought he was, you know, he was guilty anyway. But if you really, if you look, uh, at the evidence, there's something much deeper going on there. And I, I think it looks like it was a, some sort of drug burn. Yeah, and 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 and, and, and and also the the plausible conclusion is that OJ was deep in it, and yes. so that's one of the reasons he couldn't just come out and just blow the whistle and tell all the truth, because he might have actually not actually been the murderer, but uh, he was deep involved in some real bad stuff. Um, and anyway, so that was a fascinating one. The other one that I kept um, surfing past, and I finally listened to it because I'd listened to all your other interviews, was the. Uh, the one about Henry Luce, the uh, publisher of Time Life. Oh, David Wemhoff's book. Yeah, that is uh, that's another th- thing where that was just a fantastic story that you just you know you just don't know it until you don't know it, until you know it. 
And that is the the uh, the uh, black op carried out against the Catholic Church through the Vatican II Council. And this is uh, David Wemhoff is this is the, uh, he writes about Americanism, and the idea that you could uh, utilize the Catholic Church and as many offices throughout the world to spread Americanism. And this was done through the uh, efforts of one John Courtney Murray, a liberal Catholic priest. Um, and this gets into into the issue of uh, I, I think it is the Masonic infiltration of the Catholic Church. Which we see like in things like P2 and the Gladio operation. I just recorded an interview with Daniela Ganser. I haven't posted yet. He wrote a book about, you know, about NATO's secret armies, about what was going on in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. And um, this group, this outfit called P2, the Propaganda Do Lodge, uh, this Masonic Lodge in Italy, was, had formed a parallel government to carry out you know, these intelligence operations to suborn the government and to do the bidding of the Central Intelligence Agency and related and interested parties. Uh, and I thought it was a great example of how, although this, when we talk about mason, masonry, it can sound esoteric and weird, it's a practical way that the elite can carry out high-level malfeasance and crimes without being caught, <laughs> more or less. It's just a practical way to go about doing these. Same way it was a practical way the British Empire uh, uh, for to suborn, divide and conquer, and 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 establish it and and maintain its empire, you know nothing. You don't have to get too weird about it. Just it's it's, it's just a strategy of divide and conquer, strategy of empire. And same thing with like uh, homosexual homosexuality being in, in, you know at the top um, of a lot of elite circles. A uh, couple of things. One, if you're homosexual, at least it used to be that uh, you were really really good at keeping secrets. Uh, and telling lies and and living double and triple lives, uh, and but the other thing is you were so blackmailable. And so, yes, yeah. And so there's uh, all this homosexuality. At, at part of, of me wishes they, part of me wishes they'd go back to that. Right. <laughs> so, you, know, you know, but now that is, I think we're entering another stage of this of the process. You know, right. you know so. Uh, now, is there a couple more that I didn't mention that you might want to mention of that have been some of your favorite interviews or people that you. Well, uh, there's uh, my my inaugural interview was Dave McGowan, the late Dave McGowan, and uh, weird scenes in the canyon. Yeah, and also the Wagon program to kill. Wagon. I didn't I never interviewed him about. Never got the opportunity to interview him about his, but but about Wagon the Moon Doggy, <laughs> you know, about the uh, alleged moon landings. Right. Um, uh, but I did interview him about the program to kill. His very disturbing book about serial killers and I haven't read that one yet. I need to get yeah, it. connections to the intelligence agencies and the role it may play. And I guess understanding that you have to start, you have to read a lot of other things. It, it, a lot of people understanding the uh, political role of organized pedophilia, child trafficking, sex trafficking, uh, and serial killers. You have to understand the bigger picture. You know of what role it may play, as, uh, whether it's a strategy of tension, or uh, an assassination program, or just an experiment, a kind of a mass psychological experiment type of thing we saw with the um, Radio Research Project and the uh, broadcast of War of the Worlds, is to see if you can terrify the people, yeah, and get them to alter their behavior, atomize society. It goes back to atomization of society. So Dave McGowan was a was a big one on your mind. Uh, yeah. Anybody else? Oh, let's see. What else? Who else have I interviewed? I don't, oh. I don't want to put you on the spot. So. Uh, uh, of, oh, yeah. One of the uh, uh, Dr. Nancy Banks, her book about AIDS, empire, and the greed of inter- AIDS and empire, but 
AIDS, Diamonds, and Empire. And that, that was one of these books that are, are paradigm shifting because it's such a broad – she took on such a broad topic. It, it wrote about masterfully. One of these underrated books that no one reads, they should, to understand really how the world works. That's If there were like – they'd be on my list of, a list of like top 20 books you need to read to understand how the world really works is Nancy Banks' book. Well, I'm, I, I, I don't know if I've listened to that interview, so I'll go, go back and take a look. Now, let me ask you this. You talked about uh, – one of the first things you talked about was reading books. What is your routine? When, when do you find time to read books? Early in the morning, uh, late at night, uh, and no anywhere time in between. between. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I get up early anyway, so that's my time. I usually I, – I, I sleep about five hours a night. So okay, okay. Uh, that, that, and I go I go to bed you know go I read myself to sleep and I wake up real a little bit go to work uh, and um, and now it's almost like I'm reading based on who I'm interviewing. <laughs> who, who was the most difficult person uh, for you to get to interview or, or do you felt like that you know you were surprised that said yes or whatever? Oh, let me think. Oh, surprised that they said yes. That's have, you had, have you anybody? Have you had many say no? Yeah, a few that just don't, aren't, aren't interested. Uh, uh, I had one cancel like a minute before the interview, which I thought was really rude, but I won't mention his name. <laughs> okay, that's that's fine. Because <laughs> uh, I thought you know I plan. I actually really prepared for it. I read read his book twice, and I think he went to my website and saw the fact that some titles up there, you know. And then decided not to want to interview. How, when did you start doing this? Uh, late April, May, two thousand fifteen. Yeah, see, I, I thought you'd been doing it for three or four years. When I yeah. went back and scanned your website, you'd just been doing it a year and a half. Yeah. Are you surprised it's kind of taken off the way it has? No. Well, uh, not really. No, no. It's 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 where I thought it'd be. I think. Is, is anybody else doing this kind of? Uh, interview show with 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 these kind of characters i run across them i mean there's there's i mean everyone has their own different uh different style right yeah um, i i wrote kind of a broad i mean i'll interview you know a lot of people are shy away from some, some of the topics i bring up uh a lot of the alternate so-called alternative uh me, media right because they're afraid of being i guess ostracized or thought of as being too wacky or something i i just think we can talk about it the, my my podcast you know they're food for thought um you know so, so um, nobody out there has as much guts as you do is what you're trying to say <laughs> well, I, maybe they have more maybe they have more to lose <laughs> intelligence and guts com- combined together no i i just think oh sometimes i'm i'm put off at the um some people's derision at other people when they positive theory or of things uh you know they call them nuts or shills the moment they say something that doesn't comport with their uh their theory of, of what what's going on right they're too quick to do that um i did, yeah so they, you know i just think oh you know, they have a point of that's here let's hear you know good let's hear the argument uh like good examples is the uh the, some people who decry or those who say that you know the so-called no planners you the know hoops? or the no planners regarding 9/11. People who think there weren't any planes used in 9/11. There's all. Oh yeah, that whole thing. Yeah. There's a, now there's ways you, different ways you can approach that. Now, video, media fakery or video fakery. I I, I was um, 
over the Fourth of July weekend, I was at a family gathering, uh, annual family gathering, and that, that question was brought up about fakery. And I wasn't even originally involved in the conversation. It was someone else who was talking about it. But I got involved in it s- somehow. But <laughs> um, I, I mentioned that there is a history of, of fakery. Uh, so we have that as a history, whether it's uh, you know uh, whether it's the uh, photograph of Battle of Iwo Jima that was staged, uh, the baby at Shanghai bombing that was staged, the famous, infamous photograph of Jeb, of this baby crying and it's bombed out Shanghai. It turns out the baby was placed there for the purposes of the, <laughs> of, the of the photograph. But more than that, we do have you know examples of uh, things being faked, like the CNN faking the Scud missile attacks during the Gulf War. They're Supposedly, they're supposed to be in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, but really, they're—I think they're in Atlanta, Georgia, in a studio with a blue screen behind them, right. and that was released off the feed, off the off the satellite feed. Uh, other other examples of fakery abound, so we can always point that. But there, there's there's a history of this stuff. But my point was that um, the vast majority of people who experienced 9/11 experienced through the medium of television, and that is subject to manipulation. So when you say you saw this happen, you saw it on the television set. This is being manipulated, and there is examples of what we did see in supposedly in real time of some sort of manipulation going on. A good example is when the plane hits the uh, I forget it's the South and North Tower, but one of the towers, and the nose appears on the other side of the, <laughs> of the building. <laughs> you know, uh, that has yet to be explained to me how that's possible. In fact, the I've seen in real time the anchor news anchor actually saying, look, there's the nose coming through right there. I think uh, Peter Jennings said that. And uh, someone said it on Fox News. Look, there's the nose po- poking through. You're like, what? The dynamics of the crash look odd. You know, for example, when you see the plane interact with the building the way it does, does not look is not how a you know a 100 ton uh, aircraft uh, would collide with what was the 500,000 ton building. So that, that's strange. It's never been, really been explained. Does that mean the planes weren't there? No. All I'm really pointing out is that looks strange. Yeah, I actually posted a video um, on Facebook a couple years ago, two or three years ago, um, that had the the plane coming in and the wing. I, I can't do it justice. You have to see it visually. But the wing was passing through a building in the background, and it 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 it, it was like the the wing should have been in the forefront of the building in the background yeah, yeah, yeah. but instead it kind of went kind of behind it uh which suggests that it was uh it was photoshopped or you know the the film vision a version of photoshop and uh and all the you know tons of banter that that came up on my facebook feed from that uh, was 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 the question of well so you're saying there were you know that there there no, no planes went into the to the building and I said no I'm not saying that I'm saying that this particular clip is photoshopped yes. that's yeah. what I'm saying now it could be that that you know some planes hit the towers but CNN didn't have a, as good a shot as they wanted well so the they funny, they, yeah. they they photoshopped the whole other thing in order to you know have a better visual for everybody yeah. who knows. And some people have pointed out, people like Jay Dyer pointed out, that the CGI was developed through the Pentagon, through DARPA. And when you look, when you watch movies and you, you're amazed at the special effects, and you say, oh, it looks so real. You don't think that that, that, that technology is going to be applied to for purposes of psychological warfare or propaganda? Of course it's going to be applied for those purposes. And whether pinpointing when, that, when it is applied is another question. But I'm saying is that the, the technology exists to produce the fakery. 
Um, and but when you point out anomalies like that, like you know, a plane going right through a building, which you know, it just just seems strange to me. Now, again, no one explained to me how the physics behind that, you know, or the fact you know the the Pentagon where there's this you know there's this uh, this paucity of wreckage at the site. And you're pointing, wait a sec, this doesn't look like a plane wrecked to me. Oh, when of the building disintegrated? Well, that's not what happens. And you know, then you have um, that very day people like Jamie McIntyre broadcasting on CNN saying, "I see no evidence of a plane ever having crashed here." And then he says, I didn't say that, like a few years later, as if he didn't say it. But he did say it. Um, again, it's one of those things where I, you know, I wasn't there. I didn't see it. Uh, there, there are witnesses that are there that said they saw it. But again, witnesses can be manufactured. They can be furnished. You know? Or they can – remember, perception can be you – know, there's various ways you can you – can, um, uh, your perception can be wrong. You, know, you blink. You don't see something happen and it does happen. You know? So I don't know, but I'm just pointing you – know, again, again the, these anomalies uh, in, the, in the videotapes do uh, cry out for an explanation, which I have yet to hear from anybody. So. Yeah, and I think the larger discussion we're having here is that, is that there's room for uh, listening to all these different views without yeah. immediately turning on someone and saying you're a shill. Yeah, um, and there's different angles you can look at. 9-11, there's, you can look at the finance, financial angle. Look at the connections, you know, between the various parties, or whether it's PNAC or people, people, uh, Zelikow or uh, you know, uh, or the uh, you and know. You can look at the Aleister Crowley angle. Yeah, the the symbology behind it, the yeah. same way you know the people do with do with the JFK assassination. Yeah, that's interesting too. Uh, well, let me. Um, Without insulting each other. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, let's kind of wrap up here and let you move on to what you're doing. Um, uh, so my last question is going to be, um, uh, why do you do what you do? What do you, what do you think you might accomplish? Hmm. Why? Well, uh, the first thing is uh, it gives me the opportunity to talk to very interesting people. And when I read their work over the years, and this is a, this is a culmination of years of just reading and doing research and uh, reading their research and, and developing uh I guess uh, views or opinions or even questions on these events, and it gives me an opportunity to talk directly to to these people and ask them questions and get their feedback and interact with them. Which yeah, it's, I, I I like talking to people that are smarter than I am. So <laughs> so the first so, answer to the question is it's fun and it's interesting. It's fun and it's interesting, and it's okay. You also see I could also say it's a form of therapy because uh, when you look into these things, it can be very isolating. Because most people simply don't want to look into these things, and if you don't handle it with a sense of humor, you can find yourself very isolated. Well, that's there's a lot of truth to that. And, you got to keep balancing these. Yeah, things. you really. Yeah, you you do have to have a light touch on it, or it gets it gets a little bit overwhelming. Yeah, I mean, I to this day, I mean, I to, now I'm kind of known as a conspiracy theorist in the family. Uh, the crazy uncle. The crazy uncle. But the thing is, when I, at, at gatherings, is is I now kind of treat it lightly I, you know you know but no one really uh on many of these uh, many of these matters no one can really debate me on these things because they're simply not informed enough so they revert to you know good-natured derision and don't let it bother me because that's how people react to things they're uncomfortable with sure yeah you know so i understand where they're coming from um what i don't respect is when, when you're presented with evidence a rational argument and you still refuse to even consider it because you know, I understand. I I wasn't. We all live in a state of relative ignorance. You know, so I, I'm in a way 
say, well, I, you know, I, I know more than you, therefore, you know, I, I don't take that attitude about things. We're all at certain stages in life, but I do resent when people are simply become, well, not resented, but I, I no longer, I, I, I've I've learned I don't suffer fools well when I I I, I, I detect in someone a simple uh, 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 refusal to engage in a rational argument or to consider the evidence presented to them, especially when, when the question is asked of me. <laughs> you know, you right. know, I'm interrupted or something, and I, you know, people don't want to talk. People don't want to talk; just want to shout. Yeah, they don't want to listen to it, anything. And there is when you're talking about these things. If you're coming from an angle where you don't know about these things, there comes a time when you have to say to yourself, "Well, I'm going to keep quiet for a while. I'm going to listen. I'm going to read before I develop an opinion on things." Because we all have a right to an opinion, but we don't have a right to an informed opinion that has to be earned. Yeah, you know, and we can't. The biggest mistake people make today is they think they can rely on uh, institutions, whether it's the mainstream news or, or the, the, the college they went to or the high school they went to, and they can get some sort of um, you know, uh, uh, packaged view of the world that's going to take a minimum amount of their time so they can go off and, make, you know, go off and uh, you know, attend to their uh, jobs or you know, take their kids to soccer practice and go on with their life. The fact of the matter is I had someone told me one time that Talking about these things, you almost have to obsess on it. And I said, "Well, you're right. To understand the world, the way it works, you have to approach it the same way maybe a PhD uh, candidate approaches the subject, or a favorite football team." Or, well, that's another thing. That's a good point because a lot of people they do have the time. By the way, we're, we're missing the first NFL game of the season right now. Do you know that? <laughs> Didn't even know. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's another thing. You start to look at things like sports entertainment as 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 the psychological warfare. Uh, uh, weapons they are. You oh know, yeah, you know. It well, really sec- is. second part of the question: uh, wh- What do you hope to accomplish? Uh, you know, just a thousand points of light, if I may quote George H. W. Bush. Um, yes, yes, let, yes. Or maybe let a hundred, you know, a thousand flowers bloom, so we can be cut down. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just uh, just to get it out there. And you know, good example is that technology exists now, where in the past. Uh, at most, I could admit, perhaps talk to f- three or four people about these things because that's who all would listen to me. <laughs> 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 I could now uh, maybe influence three or four thousand people, maybe eventually forty thousand people, and right. then they'll, you know, they'll go all. A good example is you said you ran into Jay Dyer through my podcast, right? See, there you go. Oh yeah, and now, you know, so now you, you know, and. And someone like Jay Dyer, who, you know, again, who's devoted much of his life to researching these things, matters philosophical, these things. He's a thoughtful guy, a thoughtful young man. I can say that because I'm older than he is. Than he is. Um, right. And uh, uh, now, you know, I can talk to him. I've got an interview scheduled with him tomorrow night about things. And I can, you know, listen to what he has to say. <clears throat> what he has to say. I can offer a few th- insights and hopefully – Enhance his understanding of some of some things, and uh, that's how it, that's how it happens. I, I mean, you're not going to win this. You're not going to win this by, you know, being a superhero or fighting a revolution or you know, f- f- let's let's uh, form the barricades. That's that's you'll lose if you do that. And every so you're not so you're not for uh, armed resistance. At, at, you know, revolution to stand up where you are, <laughs> right? <laughs> to be, when you, where you began, uh, revolutions have always been from a t- from the top. They've never been organic or natural, and um, I'm I'm obviously I'm for self-defense and being able to defend oneself and being people being able to be armed. But as a practical matter, that's not a way that you fight what we're fighting today. 
which is sort of as globalist. I, I like what you told me. We we talked one time uh, off the air, I guess. Um, but uh, you you basically said the reason you do it is because uh, you have this compulsion to tell the truth, <laughs> and 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 to be in the image of God is to tell the truth. And so yeah, because you can't you really you know in terms of results, we'd like to say it's going to change the culture. We'd like to say that you know you know. The, the elites will be brought down that this occult system that we seem to be under the power of right now will you know will give way to truth and light um but that may not be the case anytime in the near future we we, we don't know uh but that doesn't stop us from telling the truth as truth tellers and made in the image of god yeah and if everyone did tell the truth or didn't you know be pragmatic I'm, you know, I'm not saying everywhere I go, I'm out there, I'm not evangelizing. I'm not going out and making everyone feel uncomfortable at a party because I'm talking about 9-11, you know, or here's a problem with the Holocaust narrative or, you know. So, you know, I, I, there, at times I do, uh, uh, you know, I do self-censor, although some people may dispute that. I do. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so you have to be a little bit politic with it. and appro- You know, the times are appropriate. I don't, I certainly don't burden my children with some of the details, some of the seedy details of, you know, the, of the elite and what's going on in the world because you don't want to deny them their childhood by showing them the world the way the world really is. These things you can gradually introduce them to. A good example is I had a, um, you know, I told you we, I, uh, I, we homeschool our children. And I, my son, when one of my sons was answering, was having to read, uh, this was a reading comprehension regarding history. And there was a chapter on the World War II Memorial that was built in the 90s here uh, close by here in Washington D.C., and um, the question, one of the after he read the essay, one of the questions was, "Why was the World War II Memorial built?" And his answer was to trick people into joining the army. <laughs> Very good. And I said, I looked at it. I was reading. I says, "Well, technically, what the, that's not right because you, you have to. It's reading. I want you to write what what did they say in in, in the article." Says to commemorate those who died during World War II. Okay, that's the correct answer. But you are correct. Yes, that's why they build memorials. <laughs> and so these are the things. I, I'm not haranguing my children with you know with uh, uh, you know uh, with Kara Quigley or you know or 9/11 Truth all the time. But like anything, things are said around the dinner table, around that room, and these things. And these are explained to them. So it almost it it it, it trickles down to them, you know, in an appropriate way. Right. How can people find your website? Oh, just to Google our interesting times. It's a Potomatic or a YouTube YouTube page, th Kelly sixty seven. And you, usually, if you just do our interesting times, or um, you'll run into it on YouTube. So. Gotcha. And um, <coughs> excuse me, um, you've got a uh, you got a button or two on there where you, people can donate. Um, you don't get paid for this. Um, you probably shoulder a few expenses, so um, people should. Um, consider um giving a gift uh to to this work is it a non-profit venture uh, uh yes yes it's very non all the time my, my wife would tell me that yes yes she says time's worth something um yeah i mean uh, i'm very thankful for the donations that do come in they've made it a lot easier uh because i i not only do i support uh, need support for the web for the podcast because of storage capacity because the level of, of per, you know the shows that I store that I store over there, but I also support other podcasts, other shows. Yeah, you know I do that too because that's how I, I give it. I I, I you how know many, I take, how many I give, do you support? If you don't mind saying, oh, 
about six or seven. Right I think now. that's great. Yeah, I think I've only I'm only supporting a couple right now, and I'd really like to to up that up because I think you know if, you know what if uh, what if one uh, percent of the country instead of spending a hundred dollars a month on cable, you know, supported ten podcasts. Man, yeah, that's what I always say. It's like often when I'm you know when I interview some of these people like like Jay Dyer, I go you know. Instead of uh, paying eighty-five bucks, hundred bucks, hundred twenty bucks for cable, just cut off your cable and support, you know, six or seven podcasts. It's only a few bucks a month, and this crowdfunding system is, you know, is, is a great way to do it. And I'm you know, again, I'm very thankful for those that do donate. It does make it easier. Um, uh, again, there's no again a lot of this is this is the shows that I do is built on you know, the better part of twenty years of reading, research, observing. You know, I'm glad I wasn't talking 10 years ago and recording it because my views have changed significantly. My values haven't. My views have changed. Yeah, that's scary. You know, um, so <laughs> thank you. No, <laughs> yeah, you know, my views, you probably sc- shouldn't. Scary for me. I'm thinking, oh, no, what, 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 what will I be believing 10 years yeah. from now? <laughs> well, listen, it's been a great, uh, great interview. I, I knew I would enjoy this, and I really appreciate you uh, uh, bouncing back and forth some ideas with me. Uh, love what you're doing. I'm glad we had a chance to talk about uh, your work and uh, I will be avidly listening to uh, your shows as I have been in the past and uh, really, you. really appreciate what you've been doing out there. Well, good luck with your podcast. I, I caught your first one with uh, Hugh Turley. Yes, that's correct. Very interesting. Giving, I read, and I read your book regarding Vince Foster, and it was very interesting. Very interesting insights on his part regarding that. Well, I appreciate that. That was a, that was a fun book to write. Uh, I think it exposes a lot of the FBI shenanigans. Um, that are still with us in a lot of current events today. Hugh Turley is a real interesting guy. I mean, he's been he's been on that thing, that that one particular event. He studied it every which way you possibly could for thirty years. He's got very passionate about it and he's got a lot of good insights. And so I, I was I was I was glad to be able to do it. So I'm glad you listened to it. Glad you enjoyed it. Uh, have a great night, and um, I will be. Uh, I'll be watching our interest or listening to our interesting times faithfully. Encourage everybody out there to do so. And uh, from there, let's just say good night. Thank you. Good night. See you.